pray for Joe. Andrew's going to come up. And Joe, are you over there, Joe? Hi, mate. Hello. <laughs> yeah, really good, thanks. Good. So, um, Joe, tell us what you've been doing the last few months. So I've been uh, serving CCK in Brighton, doing an internship with them uh, in worship and youth work. What's CCK? CCK is Church of Christ the King. Great. And what are you now going to be doing? So I'm going to be heading off to Canada on Wednesday to go and serve one of their church plants in Ottawa uh, for three months. Uh, yeah, they've been struggling a bit in, in finding it quite hard in worship. So, yeah, they've, they, they want me to go and help them, I suppose. Great. And how can we pray for you? So, yeah, we, um, yeah, I think, yeah, just God's been doing some incredible things in me recently. Um, uh, we had a training session at Centre Parks, and um, God kind of just did loads in me about fear of man and anxiety and uh, dealt with that a lot. So I suppose just prayer for against that uh, in this coming time, uh, moving out there, uh, prayer against, I suppose, loneliness, and prayer for uh, just a confidence of God that he's really called me to go out there and just to go out there with, yeah, with confidence in him, yeah. Makes sense? Can we all stand? Uh, we're thrilled that Joe's been able to take a year out and give a year to God in terms of just re- receiving some training. And now we want to commission him and send him to be a blessing to that church plant in Ottawa. So could we all raise our voices and then Anthony or I or both of us will lead us in prayer in a couple of moments. Let's just pray for Joe. Yeah. Father, we are so grateful for this young man that he's been part of us and uh, for all you're doing in his life. And Lord, we just commission him now to go and take our love and be a blessing to that church plant in Ottawa. We we pray, Father God, be with Joe, keep him safe and keep his spirit strong, Uh, protect him from anxiety and loneliness and the fear of man and those things you've been working on. I pray this time in Ottawa will actually be a proving ground of all that you have done in him over this year so far. And we pray, Father, as he goes to serve that church there, that, uh, Lord, we, we pray your blessing on the church plant there in Ottawa. We pray, Father, that uh, Joe will be a blessing to them, but, Lord, you will bless them with growth, particularly in that whole realm of worship, which Joe will go to strengthen We pray for new uh, leaders to emerge in that realm of uh, leading the church in worship. Uh, We pray, Father, that of the gift you've given Joe, he'll be able to impart it to others. 
and that the church will be strengthened. We also pray, though, that while Joe's there, you would continue to speak to him. You'd cause him to grow in you, that this would be a growth moment for Joe, too, as he proves you faithful in every way. Be with him. Protect him, Lord Jesus, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of seeing this young man grow up from, from a boy in, into a man. Thank you, Lord, that it's great to have seen it because we've seen your work. We've seen what you've done, and it encourages us. We praise you, Father, for taking hold of this life, and we pray that you will keep hold of him while he's in Ottawa. There will be challenges. There will be times when he, he wishes he was back here. There will be times when it's daunting. But, Father, you're his father, and you're going to keep him, and, and you're going to bring him through, and he's going to come back an even stronger man than when he went. Uh, Just keep him, Father, we pray, and bless him every day and encourage him, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. Just a quick reminder, Micah 6.8 says, Not by power, not by strength, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Do it by his spirit. Yeah? Bless you, my friend. Wonderful. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Well done, Joe. Seamlessly move from one mic to the next. <laughs> okay. We all okay? Yes. Good. Do we know God's good? Yes. Yeah? It's important to know God's good. Because otherwise, sometimes we can wonder, well, if, you know, if we aren't sure he's good, then... Are we sure what he's doing is going to be good? And God wants to take us all on a journey throughout our lives. It's not just this season for this church, but throughout our lives. And we need to be sure of the goodness of God if we're going to trust him. And, you know, sometimes it's just helpful to remind ourselves God is good. Yeah? Maybe. Maybe. Can I assure you God is good? And he's faithful. And yeah, absolutely. All the time. And all the time, God is good. He's faithful. We need to encourage ourselves every so often and things like that. That's, that part of song worship is, is it reminds us who God is. It strengthens us in our inner man. Helps us to press on in all that God has for us. And God is good, folks. Let's enjoy it. Let's celebrate it. Let's delight in him. That was nothing to do, by the way, my sermon. You may think I've already started my sermon. I was just sensing that. I just, I just feel something in the spirit, even. God just wants to remind us how good he is, how faithful he is. His love endures forever. He'll only act out of goodness and love and faithfulness. That's part of who his character is. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, it's something we can celebrate. Something we can be happy about. Something we can encourage one another over. God's good. Yeah. Perhaps even use it. When, you, when we're talking afterwards, why don't you actually make sure you tell that to somebody that you're talking to? Not in parrot fashion, not in terms of, yeah, well, we've got to do this because Andrew said you've got to do it. <laughs> Please, don't do it for that reason. But actually, it just helps sometimes to hear it. It also helps to speak it out sometimes. It reminds us of the truth of God, who God is. You may think, oh, well, I don't want to say God's good. I've got something else burning in my spirit. Great. Let's remind one another of the attributes and the character of God. 
Wow. Um, so I'm meant to be doing part four in a series which uh, we started just after New Year, uh, looking at what it, is, what it means to be disciples. And uh, the reason we're doing this is we're looking at three key words which we feel want to describe us as a church, where we're going as a church uh, over this period between now and or between the beginning of the year and some, probably some point in, well, we'll see how it goes, maybe May, maybe June. And uh, we're looking at three words. Disciples, we feel that's a key word. We want to be people who follow Jesus. That's what the word disciple means. A disciple means follower, follower of Jesus. We want to be people of the Spirit, that is of the Holy Spirit of God. That is, we want to uh, know the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, walk by the Spirit. We'll unpackage that. Uh, we'll be starting that on the 26th of February. And then we want to be people who advance his kingdom. And that, that has phenomenal impact. And we'll be looking at that after Easter. What it means to be a people, a church. People who are followers of Jesus, who are filled with his spirit, who see the kingdom of God come. And that's not just, you know, sometimes I think we can think, oh, that's on Sundays. No, no, that's 24-7. That's in our places of work. That's in our places of study. That's in our homes. That's in, in and amongst our families. That's in the shop when somebody's serving us. We want to see the kingdom of God come. Why? Because God's good. And we want to share the goodness of God. We want to share the relationship we have with God through Jesus with others and help them know that God's good. And so over the last uh, few weeks, we've been considering disciple. Uh, Three weeks ago, I started just by talking about how actually being a disciple of Jesus brings us to the Father. That as we follow Jesus, he's the one who's made the way to introduce us to Father God in heaven. And, uh, uh, and uh, how important that is that we know that we are sons of the Father, sons and daughters of the Father. That we have a status, a position, as it were, in life as children of God, loved children of God with real living relationship. This isn't just about some sort of formulaic thing and uh, and nothing changes. No, this is about a real living relationship with Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. Your creator, my creator. We can know him despite our sin and our shame and all the stuff we've done wrong in the past. We can know him and we can enjoy him and we can celebrate his goodness. Yes! And we can celebrate his grace. We can celebrate his mercy and his love. And we can talk about how good he is and we can share that with others. And then two weeks ago, Anthony brought us um, an unusual sermon because it wasn't what he had planned. But I felt it was so of God uh, as he brought two particular challenges to us which really can stop us being disciples of Jesus. And he talked about pride and fear and how we do need to address these things. And make sure we leave them behind. How pride can basically set us up against God. That we know better. That we don't need God. That at the end, you know, pride is in, in its essence sin. Yeah, it's the harder sin is independence than pride. Which says I don't need God. I'm okay by myself. And yet for many of us who go, well I don't have that problem with pride. But there are so many other levels where pride can separate us and alienate us from our relationship with God. Or fear, how fear. Fear of 
Well, what's father like, maybe? I've never known a good model of a father. Or maybe fears of rejection or acceptance or all sorts of other things that we get fearful of can stop us enjoying the love of God in Christ. And then last week, Mark brought a challenge to us that in, our, uh, in being disciples, we aren't just cozy Christians, but we're committed Christians. And what, he, what he's getting at there, the essence is, you know, as Scripture says, we're to work out our faith. Actually, faith has consequences. Faith has to be worked out. Faith results in things. And uh, he brought six really quite provocative challenges within that. I just want to comment, you know, the danger with provocative challenges such as these is it can be very easy to hear them as law, as things we must do, as shoulds and oughts, ought tos and uh, things, uh, musts, things which can very quickly become, well, if I do that, then am I more loved? Now, that's not what Mark was trying to say. And uh, as elders, and Mark would be in complete agreement with this, we're under grace. We're loved because of the grace of God. But in that love, we are called to live out a relationship with Jesus. And actually following Jesus has its challenges. And we need to have that balance. We need to understand there are challenges in life which God will lay before us, things to do, but actually we do them out of grace. We do them out of relationship. We do them out of love. The love of God. Not because there's some formulaic thing which they say, well, if I do this, I'll be better. I'll be a better Christian if I do this. You know, perhaps you've, yeah, you've perhaps used that phrase even over yourself. Oh, well, I'm just not good enough. I don't make the grade as a Christian. I don't do enough. No, no, we make the grade as a Christian because of Jesus' death on the cross. Because of the love of God in Christ. <laughs> and so I just, yeah, uh, just to clarify, you know, I, I just think this is so important. We're saved by grace, the free gift of God. We're saved by grace into a relationship with Jesus. That's the heart of being a disciple uh, or into a relationship with, uh, with the Father through Jesus. And we're called to live out this relationship in love, out of the love of God, empowered and guided by his Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us and will guide us. He'll enable us to live in paths of righteousness or walk in paths of righteousness. What does that mean, Andrew, you may say? What do you mean by paths of righteousness? Literally, living rightly before God. Living a life which is pleasing to God. And the Holy Spirit comes and enables us to do that. It's all about relationship. And that enables us to live out a radical Christian life. You know, it's a shame we have to put radical in front of Christian because Christians should be radical. And I think that's part of what Mark was getting at, is let's not just be cosy Christians, let's be radical Christians. Actually, the gospel is radical. It's totally radical. But we live out free from oughts and shoulds and musts. We live out to please our Father, knowing that he delights in us because he's good. Out of the grace. And yet out of grace... Out of faith comes action. Now, this week, you may have thought we already started this week. Um, that was just a review. This week, I want to talk about how we together can help each other to be disciples of Jesus. 
Because you see, we aren't just called to stand alone as disciples. We're called to work it out together. If you're making notes, you may want to call this disciples growing stronger together. That would be the title I've got. That's what I've got on my sheet here, my, my notes. Disciples growing stronger together. How do we grow stronger together? And, uh, you know, the New Testament's full of this. There's so many comments, particularly to the churches uh, in the letters of Paul, the the letters we find after uh, the book of Acts, but even actually in what Jesus talks about in the Gospels, even actually in the Old Testament, when it's referring to the people of God, Israel, the people of God, God's chosen people at that time. Wow. Wow. There's so much in there about how we work this out together. And, uh, you know, I could be preaching for the next day if I had the energy and the time and if you would stay awake on this and still only scratch the surface. But I just want to pick up on three things this morning. Three things which will help us to be disciples together, to work out what it is to be followers of Jesus together. So if you've got your Bible with you, could you... Turn to the Gospel of John, please. And uh, once you manage to find John, uh, chapter 13, please. And I'm only actually just going to read a couple of verses. John chapter 13, verse 33. Now, this is in the context of Jesus predicting Peter's denial of him as Jesus goes to the cross. And he says this, My children, I will only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so, Father, we ask, just as we consider what does it mean to love one another, how can we help each other to grow stronger together in you? Would you help us to hear your voice, Lord? Would your word speak? deep into our hearts and lives. Would your spirit help us to grab hold of that and draw us closer to the Father and closer to one another? In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Now they say love covers a multitude of sins and it's true. They say all sorts of things about love. I can't remember which paper it is, but there used to be a cartoon series called Love Is. And if you remember it, little, yeah, some people, yeah, some people, what was it? Was it the mail? I can't remember. The mail express, something like that. Uh, used to do this, maybe they still do, I don't know. It would be this cartoon series of uh, two people standing next to each other, a man and a woman gazing at each other, and it would be Love Is, and it would be something like sharing your Rolos or um, something quite banal often. Occasionally quite profound, but most of the time quite banal. Love is. Well, here we get a definition of love. And when we come to thinking about how do we work out to be disciples together, this is where we've got to start. With love. 
And we have this amazing passage, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Wow. I would like to suggest to us this. The greatest distinction between those who follow Jesus and the rest of the world is not love, but how we love one another. How we love one another. Not just that we do it, because to be frank, parts of the world are quite good at loving one another in a certain way. But the love which it's talking about here is not just any old love. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Now, you know, if you're a scholar of Greek and understand all this sort of stuff, you'll realize that that love which it's talking about is, is the love of Christ. It's that sacrificial love which says, I will lay down my life for somebody else. It's that giving love. It's that serving love. It's that love which doesn't demand, but that love which gives and gives and gives. It's that love which uh, is all, in, all, com, um, all completing. It's that love which God has for us. That love which is demonstrated in Christ. We're to have that love, but then we're to love one another in that way. And so if we're going to love one another in this way, then we need to be first of all sure that we've got hold of the love of God. As I have loved you, love one another. And understand what that love really looks like. Because if we really understand the love of God in Christ for us, that totally sacrificial love which went to the cross and took all the punishment and shame of sin that we can be restored to Father God in heaven. If we really understand that, that is a life-transforming love. That's a life-transforming love. It's not just a little bit, oh, I feel nice and warm and fuzzy for a few moments. It's, wow, that changes everything. Absolutely everything. And so we need, when we come to even talking about how we work out being disciples together first of all we need to understand that as a disciple of Jesus we have been loved with the most perfect complete love that is known ever and that actually we enjoy that love and we celebrate that love and we let that love sink deep into our lives in order that we can love others in the same way now the interesting thing of course is As we love each other in that way, we actually help reflect something of the love of God to one another, which in turn helps us to grow in love more and more. And that is what community called church is. That's part of who we are. We love one another. This is why this passage is so important to us. If we haven't got love, we've got nothing. Paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13. How do we get this love? It starts with surrender. It starts with saying, God, I've got nothing of worth or merit, nothing whatsoever which can justify you loving me. There's no way, there's no way I can make you love me. And in fact, what I have got is a whole load of rubbish, which we call sin, and shame, which gives you very good justifiable grounds not to love me. Because actually, fundamentally, I'm rotten to the core. Yet, 
because of the love demonstrated in Jesus, because of the grace and mercy of God who loves us and wants relationship with his creation, Jesus goes to the cross. And we, through his perfect love, come to enjoy the love of the Father as children of God, as children of Almighty God, made pure and holy, spotless, without sin, without spot, without blemish. How precious that is. How good that is. How great God is. How good God is. You see, as we surrender our lives to him and acknowledge that he is Lord and make him Lord of our lives and turn away from our sin and our shame and our filth and our dirt, as we surrender our lives to him, we're made new. We're made whole. We're given a fresh start. We're given a fresh start and he deposits that love in us. And his spirit comes and lives in us and stirs us and helps us to grow in that love and brings freedom and liberty to express that love to one another. How good, how great is the mercy of God. And so we're then left with the choice. If we've allowed that transforming love of Jesus into our lives... We're left with a choice. Are we going to put this into practice? Will we love one another? How will we love one another? And you know, there are so many instructions about how we're to love one another in the New Testament. I'm going to read a few out. I'm not going to give you the passages because I'll just give you summaries of a whole load of ways in which we're called to love one another. But if you're wondering how do we love one another, if you've got perhaps the Bible on your phone as an app or on your computer, or maybe you've got an old-fashioned thing called a concordance at home, why not look up love one another or one another up? And start to look at the passages which talk about how we are to love one another. Because there's just dozens. I can't remember what it came up with on my, on my concordance. 78, I think it was. I can't remember. 80-something. Just in the New Testament alone. Wow. So, for example, we're accepting, not judging. We're accepting, not judging. That's part of loving. That's part of loving one another. We're encouraging, therefore not discouraging. Now, what discourages? Well, all sorts of things can discourage. But we walk away from discouragement and we embrace encouragement. That means we look for opportunities to lift people up, to build people up. Not in some sort of fluffy airhead way of, well, you know, just want to make them feel good, but actually it's not true, because actually that's just hollow and useless. But we see the good of God and the grace of God in others and encourage them to step forward in all that God has made them to be. We're generous. We put one another first. We're generous. We're generous with the love we've got. We give it away to others. You know, if, if we really get to love one another, then we'll be generous, generous-hearted, generous attitude to one another, generous in our praise of one another. I'm not just talking about financially generous. I'm talking about a generous spirit, a generous attitude, 
Generous attitude which forgives very quickly. We're generous to forgive. We're quick to forgive. We build one another up. We don't tear one another down. That means we also forgive well. We don't hold a grudge. We don't hold unforgiveness. We don't let a root of bitterness, which Scripture talks about, grow up in us, because that is destructive. We don't hold grudges. We love one another. It means we live in harmony, not enmity. In other words, we're friends. I love the fact we are friends. Amazing friendship in this church. Amazing church. By the way, I'm not just you know, li- listing those things in terms of, you know, well, these are all things we've got wrong. I'm just trying to set out what Scripture highlights, okay? And for each one of us, maybe God's Spirit will be just stirring something in us where you go, ooh, ah, ah, ah. okay, that's a tender point. I need to grow in that. I could tell you some of the ones I need to grow, at, grow in here. Maybe I will in a moment. We live in harmony, not enmity. It doesn't mean we... Uh, however, this doesn't mean we don't address issues. I think sometimes we say, well, if we live in harmony, that means we can't have conflict or disagreement. No, it's how we do disagreement. It's how we do conflict. We do it out of love, out of care, out of the desire to build up, not tear down. Actually, it's really important if we have genuine love, that real love, that we can bring a challenge, that we should bring a challenge. Real love brings a challenge at times. Real love says, actually, I don't think that's right. Not in a condemning way, it's the spirit behind it. But in a loving way of, hey, can I help you? Maybe I can help you, maybe I can serve you, maybe I can love you and help you on this journey. Real love's about being genuine. Actually, if I'm going to love other people well, then I need to be genuine. I need to be real. It's not about me putting on fronts. It's not about me coming across as better than anybody else or anything like that. No, real love's genuine. It's real love says, hey, I struggle with that too. I struggle with that situation. I've, it's, it's, it's not going, oh, can't believe you struggle with that. Can't believe you struggle to read the Bible. Can't believe you struggle to love other people. Oh, what sort of Christian are you? A sinner who's got saved by the grace and love of God. Who's going on a journey. He's learning all the time. He wants to live out of relationship with God. Live out that relationship for his glory and honor. That means I'll change, yes. But I'm not yet perfect. And I won't be perfect until I'm in heaven. So get used to it. None of us are and none of us will be until we get there. Some of us are closer to that than others. And some of us may not realize we're closer to it than others. But until we get there, we're not going to be. So let's be real. We've each got our failures. We've each got our failings. But actually, if we're going to be genuine, we don't just share the good bits of our lives. We share the whole of our lives. If we're going to be real in that way. What's this love look like? Sharing. Sharing everything we've got. Sharing our possessions, sharing our time, sharing our energy. Expressing love to others in compassion and mercy 
and grace. Not meanness, but kindness and compassion. Being humble and approachable, not proud or arrogant. And when you're tempted to say somebody else is proud or arrogant, always stop. Bite your tongue for a good five minutes and think about yourself first. And ask yourself the question, is this of love or is this I'm just a bit cross or a bit grumpy? Thankful. Real love leads us to be thankful. So thankful. Thankful for the grace of God. Thankful for the love of God. Thankful for others. Thankful for how people uh, speak into our lives. Thankful for the care we receive. Thankful for the love we receive. Thankful for people's generous attitude and generous spirit to us. Thankful ultimately because the grace of God says we have nothing but God. Who gives us everything we need. How thankful we've got to be. But it also means we confront sin in a godly way. I've sort of already alluded to that. But you know, actually real love doesn't just cover over sin. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't extract measure for sin. It doesn't make things bad and worse for people. But actually real love confronts sin in a godly way. It's not trying to expose it and shame somebody. It's trying to say, hey, can I get alongside you and help you perhaps? But of course, remember... What Jesus said about the brother and the plank of wood trying to move the speck of somebody else's eye but got a whopping great four by two coming out of their own eye. Doesn't mean we don't do it. It's how we do it. Real love strengthens and upholds the weak, the needy, the poor in spirit. Real love takes hold of people who are less fortunate And helps them come to a place where first and foremost they know the grace of God. And the mercy of God and the love of God. And that's expressed in all sorts of ways. Whole of life ways. Not just in one way, whole of life ways. Ultimately, if we love one another well, we will all become more and more mature in Christ. And we will grow stronger together and as individuals. And we will ultimately then do what the second half of this verse says. Which is we'll be that community where the unsaved look in and go, wow, what's that? Because it's so different to what the world can offer. Jesus says, By this, by this, by what? By the fact that you love one another well, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And you know, actually, the quality of our relationships with one another will speak so much more to those who don't yet know Jesus than anything else we do. It's not that we don't therefore do things, 
because we can love and express love in multitudinous ways. But if we have not got love for one another, we could have the best social action projects, the best, best youth work, the best college work, the best children's uh, kids club. We could have the best uh, one way or lighthouse or any other group. If it's not got love, it's a waste of time. We've got to have that love at the core, at the heart of it first. That's what needs to define it and shape it. So the second aspect of how we are to be a body together really comes out of what I've already talked about. How, how, we, can, sorry, how we can grow stronger together as disciples is this. It's by being a genuine body. It's understanding that we are a body. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about being a body. You know, and, you know, I don't know about you, but my, my, my right wrist does that because it's connected to my arm, which is connected to my shoulder, which is connected to my spine, and somewhere in there there's a whole load of nerves and blood and everything else, and I'm not a doctor at all, which enables that to happen. It would be very odd trying to do that if I didn't have the rest of my arm. Ooh, be down there somewhere, wouldn't it? Yeah. We need each other. We're called to be a body. And love creates an environment where it's safe to be that body. It creates an environment where we can be genuine, where we can be real with one another. Yet if we feel safe, free from being judged, free from rejection, totally accepted for who we are, then we can be real. We can be genuine. Totally counter to the world around us, which basically says, put on a front. Project an image. Don't be who you really are. Don't let people see who you really are, because that's dangerous. The world says, let's be independent. The body says, we are interdependent. That is who we are. It's not what let's be, it's who we are. Now let's make it work. That is the definition of a body. It is totally interdependent. So what's this look like? Being a body like this, what's it look like? Well, it's being real when life gets tough. Not hiding. It's supporting and encouraging. It's all those things we've already talked about that love is. That's how we're to be as a body. Not just individually, but corporately. It's upholding, it's strengthening, it's encouraging, it's confronting, it's, it's loving. In every way, we're letting the love of God which we have be worked out in our lives. That's what being a body looks like. Do you know what? It's really tough to do. What do you mean it's really tough to do? You may be thinking, oh, hang on, sorry, don't, blow, don't, don't burst the bubble. You've created a lovely picture here. No, it is tough to do. It's tough to do because all of us at times don't want to love. Because all of us at times choose to go my own way, not God's way. Because all of us at times will have issue where we think, that hurts. And in each of those moments and each of those times, we have a choice to make. Stronger together? Now let's work things through. Or I'll go off and do my own thing because I don't, I don't like them. I don't like what they've just said. I don't like 
the challenge they've just brought. I don't like... No. Whoever's heard of a big toe working without a foot? But if we haven't got that love of Christ first in us, man, it would be difficult. That's why we start with love. That's the sort of body we build. A body built of love. So can we just pause there? I just feel God just wants to do something by his spirit. Just pause. Maybe you want to close your eyes. I want to encourage us to ask Father God a question. It's a dangerous question. It's this. Lord, show me. You may not want to pray until I finish this. (laughs) Lord, show me where I'm not loving this body. Reveal it to me. And give me grace to deal with it. And courage by your spirit. Why don't, if you were up for praying that, why not just ask the Father now? And trust that if things then come to mind, that's what our Father, who's good, is doing and wants to highlight. Lord, reveal things to us, we ask. Come, Spirit of God. Enlighten our hearts and our minds. grace father you just tell God what it is you're sensing and then say father would you give me grace would you give me courage would you give me strength to make different choices different choices where I can love that person well just as Christ loved me It may not be about a person. It may be about a situation. It may be about a whole range of things. You can tell him what it is. Father's here. And he's just moving by spirit in the room just to bring some liberty and freedom to enable us to make good choices. Come, Lord Jesus. Do you know, I think there's a couple of people in this room who, for you actually, it's about your relationship with God. 
One of you would say, oh, I have a relationship with God, but it's just not very complete. It's incomplete. And Father God wants to say to you today, (laughs) it can come complete as you surrender. Come and know a complete life out of a complete relationship with me. And there's an invitation there for one, maybe two. For a number here, you're battling with fear of rejection. If I go and have that conversation with that person, sometimes if they say no, it's too risky. And the Spirit of God's just wanting to come and put courage in our hearts. Courage, but also the love of the Father, which makes us complete, that we can go and do just that. But in that also, he's bringing grace. Grace to forgive. Grace to move on. Come, Jesus. Help us. Help us. We look out to you. We reach out to you. For some of us, this past memories are coming back. It's time to let go, says the Father. It's time to let go. Why are you holding on to it? It's not going to do any good, the Father would say. It just keeps you looking backwards. You keep looking over your shoulder. You're not pressing forward because you've got your head over your shoulder. You're looking backwards. And Father's saying, hey, time to be released. Time to be released. Time to be released. Let my love come and free you. You don't need to hold them. You don't need to... Some of it's about unforgiveness. Let my forgiveness release you that you can forgive them. But for others, it's let my forgiveness and love free you from the hurt and the pain that you can move forward for some it's that battle with pride and fear even now that battle which Anthony talked about two weeks ago ultimately you're just in your spirit you're saying I'm too proud to let go too proud to do that. We all say, I'm, I'm, I'm frightened. Just know now the love of God come into your heart. Just ask him. Perfect love casts out fear. His perfect love casts out fear. Receive the love of God in Christ. It's perfect. It's complete. It brings liberty and freedom. Receive it. Receive it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, you're a good God. We trust you because you're trustworthy. Okay, we're just going to continue with our, the word just for a few more minutes. But if God's ministering to you, just allow him to continue to do that. You know, the other part of love is it's this. It causes growth. It causes us to grow. Hebrews 10 Uh, 23 to 25 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. That's a good reminder of who God is. God is faithful. And therefore we can hold unswervingly to the hope. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
And in the context of that, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And uh, if we had time, I'd want to unpackage that much more, but let me give some quick headlines. We have an amazing God who's got great plans and purposes for our lives, and he is trustworthy. And unlike earthly fathers, he can deliver anything he says he will deliver, and we never need to worry about that. So let's help one another. Let's spur one another on for what we can do out of love and good works. Yeah, there's a number of key words in there. Consider, that means think about it. Consider, think about what we can be doing, how we can spur one another on. Spur one another on. Let's provoke, let's encourage one another. What, how do we provoke and encourage one another? Out of love, in the love of Christ. To actions and expressing love in Christ. Not because we have to, but because we want to, because it comes out of relationship. It's all about relationship first, the grace of God first, which causes us to love and good works. Good works and love, <laughs> they go together. We only do good works when we do them out of love. Out of the love of Christ. Let's do them that way. Don't forget meeting together, because the best place, the best community, we can ever provoke and stir one another to love and good works, which, by the way, isn't just for within this community, but it's for the world around us, is in this place of great safety and security called the church. And therefore, don't forget meeting together because that is a context where we work this stuff out and we support and encourage one another. And then it just says this, encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. All the more as we see the day approaching. You may go, but that was written 2,000 years ago. The day still hasn't come. No, but it is coming. And we're in part of the time where the kingdom of God is coming more and more and more on earth and we're here to bring in the kingdom in each and every situation and setting of our lives and that is tough work so what do we need to do we need to encourage one another encourage one another to stay in the grace of God encourage one another to stay in the love of God encourage and support one another and spur one another on to the love of God expressed in faith by grace in good works we don't just do good works. We do it out of relationship. We do it out of faith. We do it out of grace. We do it out of love. Being disciples together, growing stronger together as disciples, is the most, I would suggest, the most phenomenally joy-filled thing we could ever do outside of worshipping Jesus. It should be a blast, an adventure. And we do it together with other people who love us and support us and encourage us. You know, church we, isn't a meeting, is it? We're a 24-7, that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, community of disciples. That is people who are trying to follow Jesus, defined and shaped by the love of God, who genuinely share our lives together, create a secure environment from which we can see the Father's kingdom come. That's what we're about. That's who we are. Should we be like that? Should we be that people? It starts by saying, yes, Father, please use me. Please take me on this journey with you. I want to do this together with these people. Let me pray.
Father, we are amazed at your love because we didn't deserve anything. And we're so grateful because your love brings freedom. Your love brings liberty. Your love has transformed our lives. Our lives will never be the same again. I just ask for each one of us, Father, that uh, you draw us closer to you. You fill our hearts and lives with that love of Christ. As demonstrated in Christ. That sort of love. And you'd help each one of us to love one another more. And to demonstrate the love of Christ together. To build a safe environment together. A glorious church. But which isn't just inward looking. (laughs) It is a safe place. It is a place of refuge. But it's a place also which welcomes the lost. The needy the hurting in and demonstrates a completely different way of life. Help us as we go on this journey together, Lord. Help us to leave things behind which would try and stop us, which would hold us back. Help us to embrace all that you call us forward into. And we ask, would you do that in the love of you, in your love, in your grace, in your mercy, and by your spirit, Lord Jesus for the glory and honour of your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to bring our... Oh, no, we're not. Go on, Anthony. Sorry, you finished. No, no, I was just going to say, we're going to bring our time together uh, to a conclusion. But actually, I see Joan's here, and Joan's got a word of God from us, I believe. So let's hear this. Um, Three weeks ago, I was walking in the army ranges with my family, And um, we were walking along, and my daughter and I were walking in the front, quite oblivious of what was going on. And we were walking on sand when suddenly my son-in-law said, you two need to step aside. And right behind us, and I didn't realise how close until I saw the photo, was a platoon of soldiers marching, and they could go nowhere. (laughs) And um, we quickly stepped aside And, of course, they went on. And God showed me in that that sometimes we don't know what's affected us in the past, but our friends or family might. And so you perhaps need somebody just to say to you gently that they've noticed things that are stopping you from moving on. So there you are. (laughs)